that chorus is really what we're talking about today. Oh God, my God, I need you now. That's kind of got to be the thing that's motivating, right? It's got to be the thing that's kind of moving us. Because if we get trapped in this level of self-sufficiency, if we get trapped in the cultural moment of you've got this, you do you, own you, be you, all this stuff, then we begin to look at a song like that and see it as foolish, don't we? I mean, at least I do. Why do we need God? I got this. Until we get to the place where we don't, and then we realize, oh, God, my God, I need you now. But how do we get there? How, what do we do in our lives to help us get to that place and kind of stay in that place? Because I can tell you, for me, I come to God in that place and in that position. But often when I meet God, when I spend time with God, I don't find a God that looks at me and goes, you got that right, you little worthless, puny dude. You think you got this all figured out. You're not nearly as smart as you think you are not nearly ingenious as you think you are. That's not the God I find when I go to him with that heart cry of, oh God, I need you now. What I find is a loving heavenly father who speaks to me. I sit in his presence and I find in his presence just joy and peace. Most Sunday mornings, you guys, you guys know that like the room isn't like this all the time, right? Like, takes a little bit of work, even just turn lights on, get sound systems running and all this. This morning, I was in this building, get here about 7, 7.15 on Sundays, and I'm running around doing all the things. You know, the kids need lights on, and we need the coffee pots, making sure they're ready to make coffee, and you know, you're just touching buttons as you go around. And this morning, I finally, we have a nice little office place over here that we've created that's a nice little respite for me. It's away from my computer and I can just sit in there. And I went in there this morning and I shut the door and I just put on some nice soft music and I sat down. And you know what I heard? <laughs> oh, Brent, you are concerned about many things. <laughs> but really, there's only one. Only one. And that's really what I want to talk to you about today. We've been talking about the importance of being rooted. And we've talked about some really important things, being rooted in Christ, number one. What do we do to be rooted in Christ? And then we talked about being rooted in one another and how significant and important that is that you can't live as introverted as you might think you are. You still can't live without others. We talked about being rooted in the storms. And man, nothing reveals our roots like being smacked upside the head with the brokenness of this world. We talked about being rooted in simplicity, which we're going to be building on today a little bit more. But man, we have this desire to complicate things, don't we? Am I just talking about myself? No, we all drive towards complexity and we need to be reminded. Back that truck up just a little bit. Let's find simplicity. And we talked about just the need for even the neighborhood, being rooted in the neighborhood, that Sitting in these four walls every Sunday, as sweet as it might be, this is not the end all for what God has called us to do and experience that we need to, to get beyond these walls. But the thing we haven't done over the last several weeks is we've told you, you need to be rooted in these places, but we've never said how. And I think it's very mal, it's malpractice for us to get up here week in and week out and say, do this, but not tell you how to do it. And even as I say how to do it, just to give you some ideas, 
to kind of help guide you and lead you to a place. And that's what we're going to talk about today. How are we rooted in practice? Rooted in practice. Let me move here because my technology's decided not to work, which is fine. Now, I realize that when we talk about practice, anybody get excited about that? You do. You're the, you're the only one. Anybody play a sport and you think, yes, I would rather practice than play the game? No, right? What, are they, what was it Malcolm Gladwell years ago in a book he wrote? He said, it takes 10,000 hours to get good at something or whatever. Any, anybody read that and go, yes, I want to put in 10,000 hours. No, we want to look at Tim Sheff and we want to see how masterfully he plays the piano and we want to think that happens overnight. I should be able to watch a seven-minute YouTube video and do that. And you can. And he's got a subscription that you can buy. <laughs> I'm only kidding. Just like hit that like and subscribe button or whatever you're supposed to do. None of us like that word practice. Most of us, Lynn does. But I don't like it. I don't, you know, I just want to be able to do it. I want God to just miraculously just whoop, pop it up on me and it's done. And here I go. You know why I don't like practice? Because from the time I was five, I was in piano lessons. And what do you hear when you take piano lessons? Got to practice. That's right. Practice your lesson. Practice, practice, practice. And you have horror stories around that. I remember in college, my major was church music. And so with that, I had a, a concentration in voice and a minor concentration in piano, which meant I had to take two years of piano lessons in college as well. Yay me. I had a teacher that was a very tall, slender, no-nonsense kind of woman. If you put a pointed hat on her head and a wart on the end of her nose, you get kind of the idea of what this woman was like. She was a no-nonsense kind of gal, let me tell you. And my freshman semester, first semester, I remember we, I was going to lessons and doing my thing. But, you know, anybody remember being a freshman in college? Yes, yeah, so you know how serious I was about this. There was one day I went to her office and I sat down at the piano and she's, you know, she starts off the lesson and it's like, play this scale. And of course, I'm just stumbling all over myself to do it. And she's like, oh, okay. Well, now play this. And there were other warm-up exercises that I was supposed to be practicing during the week. And, and finally, I mean, we weren't more than five minutes in to a 30-minute lesson. And she's sitting next to me. I'm on the piano bench and she just kind of takes the lid and closes it. Exactly. And she looks at me and she asks that dreaded question, how much have you practiced this week? And of course, at this point, I'm terrified because I'm thinking I got to lie quickly. But I couldn't lie well enough. You know why? Because she knew. There was nothing I was going to be able to say in that moment to convince her, oh, no, no, no. I practiced all week and just I walked through this door and miraculously everything left my hands. I don't know what happened. No. I tried to hem and haw around, and finally, she said, I, I said, I didn't. And she said, okay, well, here's what you're going to do. You're going to get up right now, and you're going to the practice rooms, and you'll be there for the next 45 minutes. And you will check out with me when you're done. And every day, for the next several weeks, you're going to come to my office, and you will tell me, Miss Hannah, I'm going to practice. And then you will tell me what you're going to practice, and then you will go practice. And then when you're done, you'll stop back by and you'll tell me, Miss Hannah, I'm done practicing. And here's what I practiced. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm just glad she didn't bury me under the floor of her office. I mean, that's what we think of when we think of practice. And so we kind of have, at least for me, my guard up to be like, nope, not real interested in that. That coupled with this other thing, that when it comes to faith, when it comes to following Jesus, somewhere along the way, we got it into our heads that as long as I say a prayer sometime, someplace, that's it. That's all that's needed. Maybe pop into church a few times a year. Maybe give a little money here and there to the church or to an organization. We think that's, that's it, right? I mean, that's all we really have to do. But is it really? I mean, is that what Jesus called us to? The answer is no. That is not what Jesus called us to. I mean, he never asked us to become Christians. Do you realize that? Jesus never said, hey, become a Christian. He didn't. What did Jesus call the first disciples to? Follow. What does he call you and me to? To follow. He invites us to follow him. And how, and how can we follow him if we don't know who he is, if we don't know how he lived, if we aren't with him so we can become like him? How can we do that? Recently, I've been reading a book. It's called Practicing the Way by John Mark Comer. It's a great book. But in this book, he, he makes a point and he highlights the difference between being a convert and being a disciple or an apprentice. And he says, Jesus is not looking for converts to Christianity. He's looking for apprentices in the kingdom of God. And in this, he talks about how we have taken the noun disciple and we've made it into a verb. And he says, we don't do that with other Christian words necessarily. He says, you know, you never go up to somebody and say, uh, who are you Christianing? But we will easily go up to somebody and say, so who are you discipling? And we've taken it and we've kind of twisted it. And he says in a lot, sometimes maybe language doesn't matter, but in this case, it absolutely does. He says, because if a disciple is something that, if disciple is something that is done to you, a verb, then what it does is it puts the responsibility on following Jesus on somebody else. It's their responsibility to make me a disciple. However, if a disciple is a noun, if it's something you are or something you are not, he says, then no one can disciple you but Rabbi Jesus himself. You see, often in matters of faith, we hear this and we make the leap and we assume, well, you're just trying to control us. You're just trying to tell us what we have to do. And yeah, I get it. In church history, there actually have been those people that have done that. There have been those people that have tried to use practices to manipulate and control. And if I get up here and tell you do this so because you're like me, that's exactly the problem. But if I get up here and I tell you the things we need to be rooted in, the practices we need to find aren't to become like Brent, but to become more like Jesus, that's the key. That's where we've got to be. We assume sometimes that spiritual practices are bad, reading the Bible, prayer, those kind of things, but they're not. In fact, the spiritual practices we develop are the exact things that will help make us become more like Jesus. 
And instead of being limits on how we follow Jesus, they become freedom. You see, as we've already said, what's fascinating to me about Jesus is it's an invitation. It's an invitation that he extends where he says, come follow me. A beautiful invitation not to join a church, a beautiful invitation not for a nonprofit or whatever, but a beautiful invitation to come and sit at the feet of Rabbi Jesus and discover who he is and how he lives so that we can be like him. It's a beautiful invitation, but like every invitation, you and I have a choice we have to make. How will we RSVP? From the very first step of faith through the daily practice of following Jesus. I mean, think for a moment, what type of life do we even desire? And what do the things that we're already doing demonstrate about what we're most passionate about? I believe we're called to be a new way to be human. I believe that we're called, we're being called to a new way to live with others and a new way to bring life to this community. And this is not going to happen by accident. It's honestly not going to happen in one hour on Sunday. It's going to happen when we accept that call of Jesus and we step into the daily rhythm of being with him. You see, every week we talk about, we've talked about a couple of different things. We've talked about how these being rooted ideas are very countercultural. And this idea is also very countercultural. But as I thought about this, I thought, you know, what I really desire, what I want is a non-anxious, non-hurried life, more abundant life. But I also know if I keep doing what I've always done, I get what I've always got. And we also have to realize one thing, that it's not easy. Somewhere along the way, Somebody said, pray this prayer, and that's all there is, and life is good after that. That's not it. In fact, you want to know the truth? Jesus never said that. Those words never came out of the mouth of Jesus. Do you know what did come out of the mouth of Jesus? He said, whoever wants to be my disciple, my apprentice, must deny themselves. Now, hold on. He didn't mean that though, right? Yes, he did. But I'm told in this world, you be you. Own your truth. It's all about what makes you happy. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. And, oh, that's enough, Jesus. Why do you got to put an hand in there? Come on. And take up your cross. What does that mean? Every day, you're going to try to get up and do your own thing. Every day, you're going to push back against this. Every day, there's going to be a struggle. Not every day. There's a point where it doesn't happen. But for a while, there is. And just like Jesus went to the cross, we are to take ourselves to the cross and lay down our lives every day to follow him. This is the invitation of Jesus. And unfortunately, this has been missing from a lot of our faith. And are we really opposed to it? After all, what in this life has really given us anything close to what Jesus offers? Yeah, this is hard, don't get me wrong. 
But somewhere in the paradox of faith of following Jesus, you know what we also find? He says, take my yoke upon you. Because this, that's my burden, it's light. Well, how can that be? It's the upside down kingdom. It makes no sense. How could it? Because when you get to the end of trying everything else, when you get to the end of trying to self-fulfill and self-satisfy and materialism and success and fame and notoriety and, all, and religious practice for the sake of religiosity, and you feel the weight of that crushing you because none of it has brought life, you come back. And the invitation of Jesus is still there where he says, you want to be my disciple? Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Now, I realize in this, I've not given you one practice yet. But I wanted to start with just the invitation. Are you willing? Are you willing, looking at your life, to say, you know what? I know there's something needed. Sometimes in order for us to add the practice, there needs to be subtraction of some other things. Busyness, all the things we're chasing. We may have to move some things aside so that we can make room for Jesus. I'm going to ask the worship team to go ahead and come back up. We're not done yet. I know you're looking at your watch going, whoa, good job, Brent. 15 minutes and we're out. <laughs> That's right. Early lunch today. No. What I want you to do right now is I want you to think about already in your life, are there practices that you do that draw you closer to Jesus? Or maybe it's just an honest conversation with Jesus about what you've really been following. So as the worship team, they're going to lead us in a song. And when we get done with this song, Amy's going to come and she's going to invite some of our friends up. And we're going to have them share with you some of the things that they do that help them root themselves in Christ and one another in the community, in the neighborhood. But as these guys sing this song, you're welcome to stand. You're welcome to stay seated. There's freedom. You know, maybe like you, maybe the first thing I said when I got up here was, you know, you're worried about many things, but there's, you know, really only one thing that's that important. Maybe you just need to sit there for a moment in the presence of Jesus. And just breathe back and forth with him and just pray and converse. Whatever God leads you to do, whatever you need this morning to connect with God. What I do want you to hear, though, is that we're not summoning the presence of God. This isn't some magical moment. God's already here. God's around us all the time. Jesus makes himself available. It's just sometimes we need to hit the pause button on life. Recenter our scattered senses upon the presence of God and recognize who he is. sit here at your feet 
this will do I just want you Nothing else Nothing else Nothing else will do I just want you Nothing else Nothing else Nothing else will do As much as that's what I'm claiming this morning, I feel equally just the grieving of every moment I look to anything but you. Just feel that this morning. I'm sorry, Jesus. You are enough. You are enough. You are enough. we wanted to just give an opportunity for you to hear from each other. That's part of what community is, is that we learn from each other. We don't have to be like one another. You're not going to encounter Jesus the way Garrett encounters Jesus in that specific way. Or, But it's so good for us to hear from each other. Um, so often we've thought, I just have to have my morning devotional, you know, read my Bible and fill out answers in this workbook and I'm good. But so many of us don't connect with God that way. It's hard. And so we wanted to highlight this morning, there are many ways to connect with God, many ways to encounter him, to stay rooted in him. So I've invited a few friends. So if you are going to share this morning, come on up front, sit down in this front row and I'll call you up. Um, 
But I'm eager just to hear from a few of our folks, um, different ages and experiences in life, to share a little bit about how do you uh, connect with God? How is it that you find him in the midst of who you are and your life and those things? So I'll invite my favorite one up first. Matthew. Oh, Garrett stood up. You all think you're my favorite. I do love all of you. Um, Okay, so I'm going to ask each of them the same question. Very simple, but I wrote it down. What's a practice or something that you do regularly to connect with Jesus or to stay rooted in Jesus? When when I think of a spiritual practice or spiritual disciplines, I think it's, it's simply a way to connect with God. And I don't know about you guys, but I struggle with that. Oftentimes, that's a source of anxiety for me. As I'm doing them, I'm thinking, am I doing this right? I should be doing this more. And I feel like I need to do it more and more. And spiritual disciplines quickly become a duty. Another thing to put on my list of my already busy life, something I need to do. And and then it's also a place of comparison. I look at others, and I think they get more out of the Bible than I do. They they have a greater revelation of who God is than I do. They, their, their prayers are more articulate. <clears throat> and so it feels like the more that I pray and the more that I read God's word, the further away from him I feel. I feel like I'm chasing after him, but I can't ever grasp him. I once confessed to a leader I really respected that I don't really chase after God like I used to. And I was expecting him to invite me to once again re-engage and make time to pray and to read the Bible. But he just looked at me and smiled and said, me either. And I was shocked. But then he said, but I found that I'm closer to him than I have ever been before. And isn't that what we believe? He lives in us. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so now the spiritual practice that I do the most is I turn on worship music and I lay down and I enjoy his presence. Chapter, uh, Psalm 22, verse 3 says that God inhabits the praises of his people. That he's, he's already that his presence is already within me, but the worship music helps me to connect with that even more. And sometimes I do it for a few minutes. Sometimes I do it for an hour or more. And I simply rest in his presence. And there's no, there's no judgment in this. There's no wrong way to do it. Sometimes when I do it, I feel that he speaks to me. Sometimes my mind is still focused on the stress and worries of the day. Sometimes I fall asleep, and that's okay. God reveals himself as father, and my, my, my kids are too big and way too active for this, but when they were younger, they would often fall asleep on my lap, and I was never frustrated with them. I never thought, why are you sleeping? Why are you not doing something more productive or something to connect with me? They were just enjoying my presence, and I was enjoying theirs, and that's what I do with God. I just rest in his presence and enjoy it.
Okay, he can preach. Thank you, Matthew. I love that. And I, I love, I love, I know. I've seen those moments and I hear those moments in our house. I'm like, don't bother him. He is encountering Jesus. Garrett, you want to come up and share next? Yeah, now my second. <laughs> Will you share? I'm going to ask you, I'm just going to remind you what the question is, but is there a practice or um, something you do on a regular basis that helps you connect with Jesus? Yeah, um, I think I, I relate a lot to what you were saying to Matthew. I feel a lot of shame around this a lot of the time because it's always I'm forgetting to do things I don't want to or anything like that. And um, I think one thing that's been meaningful to me recently is just being aware of Jesus and trying to live life with him, you know, just just to if I'm going through my day. I want to try to let him know. If, if, uh, if it's been good, try to let him know. If it's been bad, that too. So, so the way that's been coming out for me recently has been journaling. Um, when I was uh, in college, I feel like I had like eight hours in a row that I could just sit down and see what happened. And I would get out my notebook and write like, Sometimes 10 pages, no joke. And it was really meaningful for me. Um, I was able to wrestle with Jesus sometimes. There were some really hard things that I went through. And that helped me point and direct myself toward him and like processing that with him. Now I don't, uh, I don't normally have eight hours in a row. But I keep a little journal in my pocket that I every you know, maybe a couple times a day, I'll just have some reminders, pull that out, and it's a lot simpler now, where it's like, maybe today I'm saying, Jesus, I, I'm really thankful for my baby, or Jesus, I'm really tired because of my baby, um, or feeling frustrated or whatever it is, but I think just, yeah, I, I think it's been helpful for me, just because it, it helps, I think, mostly in focusing myself otherwise my mind is a mess I would say and also directing myself toward Jesus so it's just kind of a, a moment I take probably a minute you know a couple times a day with this and just say this is what's on my mind right now I'm able to focus and put this down Jesus this is this is for you um so just kind of wanting wanting that relational part of my my life with Jesus and focusing on that. So that's Thank you Garrett. I I also love the the reminder of connecting with God looks really different in different seasons of our life. So Shar, will you come up and share um let me just get this out of the way so we can see everybody. But I um as we talk about seasons of life one of the things that strikes me in lots of conversation with you is how you say, oh, these are my, these are my best years, or I feel like I'm, you know, more connected to God and doing my um, God-given gifts now than I ever have in my life before. And so will you share with us? And the question that I've been asking is what's a, a practice or something that you do regularly that helps you feel connected to Jesus? Well, I have to go back to the days when Pastor Ryan was here. And in one of his messages, he asked, why are you here? And for the first time in my life, 
I knew that I was to serve. And that has, oh wow, just changed my whole life. Don't wait till you're this age for this to happen. <laughs> but um, consequently, um, I, I prayed. I asked Jesus, use me. Use my hands. Use my feet. And let me, lead me to where you want us to be. And so uh, Warren and I were uh, eventually drawn to Bidwell uh, Food Pantry where we could serve. And I'm especially drawn to the poor, to the homeless. And so I've got all of that there. And I just, I don't know, I just could see Jesus when I'm there at Bidwell, I could just see him walking among the poor and loving on them, and I can do all that there. And I also have, um, well, thanks to Brent, we have another little side ministry that we do at Bidwell, which is the hot dog ministry. So once a month, the last Friday of the month, we um, serve hot dogs, and... Um, we serve about 72 every month. And it's just a blessing. And so many things, it, it's just enriched my life. It's, I feel like I'm finally doing what Jesus wants me to do. <laughs> and then I also have a little side ministry, which is a snack bag uh, ministry. And I brought a little display that I put out there on the table and when we come to a stop sign and there's a homeless person with their sign, we hand out one of these little bags. It's not gonna be a meal, and, uh, but it's snacks. It's something to help them out. And we mean it as a blessing to them. They bless us. We receive so much more than we give. So that's been my, it's a journey. <laughs> I love that. And it's what a sweet reminder that sometimes the ways we connect with Jesus, often we think about it being something that we do alone and we do inside of our house, you know, that's inside of our heart only. But I love this example of Shar saying, no, I feel most rooted in Jesus and connected to Jesus when I'm, you know, helping folks who are hungry get food. And I can tell you that's true. There have been times when I've been on the phone with her or seen her after she's been at Bidwell. They go weekly, multiple times a week. And, you know, there's a passage that talks about how, um, I think it was the disciples saying, or somebody saying the disciples, we could tell they'd been with Jesus. We could tell they'd been with him. And that's how it is when I see her and Warren and they've been at Bidwell. They've been with Jesus. They've been connecting with him. So thank you, Shar. And then finally, Steve, you are not my least favorite. You are dear to me, and i um, love to have you share um, about one of your practices. What is something that you are regularly doing to stay connected with Jesus? Well, I think there's a common theme we're hearing today is that uh, Christian practice and discipline can be a real grind. <laughs> and uh, there's a lot of Christians, and I count myself as one of those, who got really tired of the grind, trying to live up to it, trying to be the model Christian when you're in church leadership like I was for 30 years. <laughs> it gets to you. 
and uh, some of the most unhappy people on the planet, I'll just tell you, are burnt out pastors. <laughs> we got to help our pastor folks. <laughs> but uh, I came here to Ashworth and just felt refreshed the first time I came. And it was an oasis from a long journey that I'd been on. And I heard a mention of this thing called Lectio 365. And I got to tell you, the first time I heard it, I thought, oh, no, another devotional program. Lectio 365, what are we talking about? <laughs> but uh, I, I looked it up because I wanted to be conversant with our pastor. <laughs> and I discovered a wonderful thing that really met me where I was in the moment. And it was the daily meditations that this app, there's an app. Is, it, is that a, yeah. There's an app you can get, free, called Lectio 365, and it has a history, um, and if you were on there today, it, they actually tell you the history. But what I found is that this is a place that meets me where I am, because you can, you can learn how to be a professional Christian. You can learn how to say all the right things. You can learn the language of church. You can go through the motions. You can pretend that you're all that and be as empty as you can be. And I came to a place in my life where God said, I'm going to take you out of that, and you and I are going to have a conversation. And he put me in the seat of a diesel mower at a golf course for the better part of 15 years with my headphones on, driving through nature, just me and God, day after day after day, just me and my thoughts. And we deprogrammed and we deconstructed and we had fellowship, just me and God. And then I had a need to process that and to bring something out of that. He said, I didn't set you aside here just for you and me. There's something that needs to happen with this because you and I are going to have a relationship. And Lectio 365 gave me the avenue for this. And every day, I, I tune in, most every day, I tune in, I pull it up on my app, and I, it begins this way. As I enter prayer now, I pause to be still. The first invitation of the day, be still. To breathe slowly. Just saying that and pausing. Did you see what happened? Did you feel it? It just settles. A peace comes. And to recenter my scattered senses, you heard that phrase already here today, to recenter my scattered senses upon the presence of God. Because God is with us, He is in us. And then there's a prayer Holy Spirit, breathe new life into my story. 
In other words, it's not saying just make all kind of radical changes in me. Just meet me where I am and breathe life into it. Give me a vision for your presence that expands my heart and my imagination. Open my mind to explore the limitless grace of your kindness today. And that's where the daily conversation with God begins with me and with all who use this. I have found this to be so enriching because in just about 10 minutes time, every morning and in the evening too, there's, there's one for each time of day, you can have this kind of communion with God. And the, the app has a way of bringing the word to life and application. It's rooted in history, but it's as contemporary as you can get. And uh, I, in answer to your question, what do I do as a practice to be rooted is I use Lectio 365. You young kids and your apps. It is a great app. I agree. I love this app. And one of the things you can choose whether you read it or you can, you can just turn it on and listen as you're driving, which is what I do or listen as you're getting ready for your day. So thank you. We have a few other people um, who we had share this week through video. Just again, we wanted to give you a variety. Um, here's some practices that other folks in our uh, community do to stay connected to Jesus. To be rooted in the things of God is to be present with the Holy Spirit. And you know, to be present with the Holy Spirit for me, I feel um, like when I do praise and worship, when I am singing the gospel, the music just it, it, it awakes me and it gets me connected to the Holy Spirit. So when I'm praising and worshiping and singing gospel, I feel more rooted in Jesus Christ than anything else because I feel the Holy Spirit around me. The spiritual practice that draws me closer to God is giving up things for Lent. I give up sugar and I give up buying things. Uh, this, the latter is the harder of the two, and my wife often encourages me to continue the practice far beyond Easter. But by giving things up, I'm reminded of the sacrifices the Lord made, and that draws me closer to God. How I say really to Jesus is I pray and I read my Bible, because it helps me remind me who He is. As a mom of a toddler, I don't have time to sit for an hour every day in scripture as much as I wish I could, but some of the easy things that I found are really helpful to keep me rooted in Jesus that are actually practical in this season that I'm in include listening to worship music to start my day off on the right step, um, taking prayer walks around my neighborhood with my daughter, as well as praying for my family while I'm cooking and preparing meals and snacks for us for the week. Hey, so one of my favorite practices is meditating with Jesus. And I just sit quietly as if I were gonna silently meditate. But when all of the uh, anxieties and, and frustrations and obtrusive thoughts come, um, I just picture Jesus sitting next to me. And as each thought happens, I just look at it, notice what it is, and then I just hand it to him. And I just listen and watch and see what he transforms that into and hands it back to me as a fully restored, healthy, whole emotion. 
art has played a significant role of me being rooted in Christ. Uh, many people journal their thoughts and when they read the Bible, they journal and I journal on my Bible with paint. And uh, it has allowed me to uh, understand God more intimately, to walk with Him more closely. And um, it has been fun. I, I would say it has been the most adventurous journey for me personally, learning to uh, co-create with Him. It's, it's an honor. Isn't that cool? Fun, different people sharing different ways. You know, one of the things that I kept hearing was, you know, the, the drudgery that it can be and the shame that can surround it. Anybody want to say, yes, I have felt that shame around it before? Amen. And some of the things I've been doing lately, one of the authors wrote this. As I sat down to pray, he said, imagine how God looks upon you with great joy and gratitude for your offering of time. Doesn't matter if you've got a minute or an hour or eight. When you come to God, He's just glad you're there. And there's joy and gratitude in God. So I talk